Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. I think I have a thing on my shirt sticking up right here, do I not? I, I'm, also, I'm, I'm a different kind of pastor. I'm very transparent. I try to show you all. I had somebody, I was oh, greeting people. All of a sudden, she was pulling down my shirt. I said, what are you doing? She's a hanger. Pastor, you have a hanger mark right here, you know, where it's kind of going like that. It's actually not a hanger. That's ratatouille. <laughs> I remember, the, remember ratatouille, and the guy would be in the, in the chef's hat, and he would tell him how to cook. There's a little mouse right here telling me what to preach. If, you, if you're a millennial and you have no idea what Ratatouille is, Google Ratatouille, you'll, 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 you'll get that. I'm very excited. We are in installment number two of a series that we're calling Fail. Everybody say Fail. And I love it. Discovering that failure really is a part of your success. Now I, I'm watching you now. Now you can't take your eyes off of that. I shouldn't have brought your attention to that. Anybody in the house ever fail? Man, the shirt has, I can tell you that right now. We've all failed. We've all been there. We are, and listen, we, I've got literally thousands and thousands of people watching us online that right now there are people in Bangladesh going, What's hot, hot, umutu? That's Bangladesh. You didn't know I spoke Bangladesh, did you? Yes. Yes, I do. Anybody in the house ever fail? Come on, we all have. We've all been there. And if you haven't, these people have. Check it out. You got to laugh better than that. My multimedia team had a blast putting that together. We've all failed. We've all been there. Let's talk about it today. Last weekend, we began to discuss the difference between failing and sinning. So many in the body of Christ think that they're one and the same, and Chris, they're absolutely not. The Bible clearly defines sinning and clearly defines failing, and they're two very different things. 
Let's check out the difference between them again. Let's review very quickly and we'll jump into new territory. Remember, number one, we talked about sin is intentional, but failure is accidental. At some point in our life, we all have to take ownership for when we sin, including the pastor. How I many know we can't blame the devil? It wasn't the devil that made us do it. Can't blame our mother-in-law. Yes, the devil tempts, and yes, our mother-in-law angers us. But bottom line, I have got to take ownership of my own decisions. James chapter 1, 14 and 15 tell us that very clearly. When I fail, on the other hand, that's accidental. Second difference, and it's very clear in the Word of God, when we sin, we're temporarily out of the will of God. When we fail, we are truthfully still in the will of God. How many understand, ladies and gentlemen, when I sin, I'm temporarily out of the will of God, but aren't you thankful for 1 John 1, 9? Where the Bible says if we can confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, in everyday language, at some point in my life, when I sin, when you sin, we've got to admit it, quit it, and then forget it. We got to learn from it, laugh at it, and then we got to let it go. When you confessed it to God is not when he found out about it. So quit running from God and start running to God. That's good news today. But listen, when I fail, I'm truthfully still in the will of God. Third thing that we talked about very clearly, number three, is sin is attempting to do something wrong and succeeding, whereas failure is attempting to do something right and failing. Two very different things biblically, and that ought to give us all major hope. Uh, the fourth thing that we talked about last week when, was when we sin, we must repent and forsake. When we fail, we got to simply get up. When I sin, when you sin, the Bible says, Proverbs 28 and verse 13, the Bible says that if we will confess and forsake our sin, we'll find mercy. But if we try to cover our sin, we will not prosper. Man, it's in the covering that causes us to not prosper. Man, repent, turn from it, forsake it, let it go. And it's amazing, you'll find not judgment, but you'll find mercy. Isn't that a good thing to find? I'll never forget, I tell this story all the time, my, my son and my wife, they were walking on a beach uh, somewhere, and all of a sudden in the distance, my son saw a little piece of paper floating in a tide pool, it was low tide, and he ran over to it and found a $20 bill. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's about 10 years old when he found that thing. You're 10 years old, you find a $20 bill floating in a tide pool in low tide, that makes you happy. How many know when you're almost 59, if you find a $20 bill floating in a tide pool, that makes you happy? Just finding $20 bills anywhere makes you happy. I mean, in your pocket. I mean, it's just, it's just a hallelujah. And you don't expect it, but you find it. And so many times when we repent, when we confess and forsake, we expect judgment. But we're so happy to find mercy. And aren't you glad? Listen, you, you know that. Anybody got kids? How many of you have got kids, but you won't lift your hand because you're kind of ashamed of them? <laughs> If you got kids and you remember when they were little and remember when they first began to walk, Any, anybody remember that? I'm, you know, I've got a boy, he's 17 right now, about to turn 18. Oh my goodness, he's about to turn 18. Working right now with the, with the kids and, and about to turn 18. I remember when he was little and I remember when he was just learning to walk. Uh, let's see, he was 14 when he just was <laughs> learning to walk. And, and you know what happens when the kids are little and, and, and they learn to walk, they fall down. And if, listen, if you, you nobody, no parent in here when a child falls down, do you go, all right, get up, get up and repent. 
I mean, what kind of parent would you be if you did that? Nobody does that, and God doesn't do that. When we're simply walking in life and stepping out life, and when we fail, that we don't need to repent for failing. We need to repent for sinning. And if you do that as a parent, you're not a good parent, kind of like this kid's parents. Check it out. Charlie, what's up? Want to come to my house, play some Xbox? I can't. My parents said I'm grounded for life. Wh why? What'd you do? Well, you know how my parents say excuse my French after saying a curse word? Yeah, so does my parents. What's the big deal? Well, my teacher asked me in class if I knew any French. Oh, come on. That's way funnier than you're laughing. You know it is. Those are not good parents. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, oui, oui, monsieur. <laughs> Some of you will get that driving home. The holy people will get that driving home. I, I promise you that. So I do want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, just get up. And remember, we began to last time talk to you about redefining failure so that you understand it as part of your success. And you begin to look at it from a biblical vantage point, and now you will see it as an advantage, not a disadvantage. Let's redefine it for you. Remember we talked about people think failure is avoidable? It is not. At some point in your life, you and I are all going to fail. Remember there's a difference between a stretching mistake and a stupid mistake. How I many understand the difference? The, 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 the difference? Stretching mistake is when you do something for the very first time. You're bound to make a mistake. When you do something that's a stupid mistake, that's doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Remember the life points that really clarified that? Remember life point number one? Check it out. When was the last time you did something for the first time? And if it's been a long time, then it is about time. In other words, when you step out and do something for the first time, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to fail. fail. It's part of your success. Second life point that we talked about is to eventually do something excellently, you have to at first be willing to do it poorly. That's life as it is, and we got to understand that. So many of us are simply afraid to step out. So we're redefining failure so that you understand it as a part of your success. Second thing that we talked about last weekend is we're redefining. People think failure is an event. It is not. Remember the life point that was so powerful, and this is huge, check it out. Success is not an event, but a process. Failure is not an event, but a process. In other words, I hear this all the time as a pastor, well, my marriage failed. No, your marriage did not fail. The process leading up to that failure did. Well, I, I, I failed a test. No, student, you didn't fail a test. You failed the process leading up to that test, and that test just simply revealed how poorly you did in the process. Now, you, you find that. I hear a lot of, well, pastor, that's condemning me. No, 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 that's actually good news. Because, listen to me, that shows you're not doomed to repeat every failure in your life. If you want to redefine it, all we need to do is go back and analyze the process biblically, change how we handle the process, and you watch. You can't unring that bell. You can't unscramble that egg. But marriage number two can be a success. 
Test number two can be a success. Business number three can be a success because I've learned something now from the process. That's really good news. Now, that catches us up to date. How many are ready for new territory? Here, come on, let's keep growing together. Let's continue to redefine failure as part of your success. Number three, check it out. Most people think failure is an enemy, and it's not. It really is a part of your success. And I'm trying to help you see it in a different vein so that you're not so afraid of it. This is absolutely key. I'm so proud of Nicole. She did such a beautiful job singing. I, I'm just... She could be giving her gift to the world, but she's giving it to God and blessing all of us. And I do want you to know, so many times we think that failure is an enemy. No, it's part of our success. Let me give you a life point that will help you understand. Check it out. Failure is the fertilizer by which all success grows. And that's how you have to look at it. It's simply now you're putting something in, into the ground, and that's your failure, and it's going to help your next plant grow so much more successfully. And I love this, number four, because this is redefining failure into understanding it as something different. People think that failure is irreversible, but it is not. It's not. Ever say it's not. Now let's go to our key verses. Can we do this? I want, this is a great time to do this. Let's go to our key verses because failure is not irreversible. We're going to see this in our key verses. We're going to look at Proverbs 24 and verse 16. And we're going to look at Micah 7, 8 together on the same screen because failure is not irreversible. You need to know this. Check it out. For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. If you're a righteous man or woman, and if you're a born-again child of God in your spirit, you are righteous. The Bible's very clear. The righteous man falls seven times, but yet he continues to get up. It's not irreversible. And then my favorite verse of this particular series, Micah 7, 8, I love this. Notice what it says. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Don't gloat over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. That's a word to all of us through this series. When I fall, when I fail, I will arise. Come on, say it out loud at home. Say it it's right there in your Spider-Man pajamas. Say it out loud. When I fall, I will arise. Let that put courage in you in 2020. 2020 has been a not fun year, but when I fall, I will arise. I love that. That gives everybody in the house hope. Failure, people think it's irreversible. It is not irreversible. And you need to know that. Remember, this life point will clarify exactly what I'm trying to say. I love it. And it's my favorite. It doesn't matter how much milk you spill as long as you don't lose the cow. <laughs> oh, come on. That's a, you say, well, Pastor Jim, where's that in the Bible? That's in first opinions, right next to second disillusions. And it's a Pastor Jimism. I like it, but it has biblically-based principle. Would you look to your neighbor and say, holy cow? Oh, come on, tell him. Doesn't matter how much milk you spill as long as you don't lose the cow. Some of y'all look like you lost something, I can tell you right now. 
No, man, that's, it's not irreversible, folks. It really is not irreversible. I, I saw recently a study from Stanford University where people, successful CEOs of businesses, uh, successful, they, that they tried 17 different businesses, entrepreneurs, 17 different businesses before their final business succeeded. What do you think about that? Most of us would have given up at 15 or two. 17. Think, and, and another study I read, and this to me was the most interesting. They, they studied two different art classes, and they really were doing this through the business arena, but they did it through art classes, and this to me was fascinating. They had one art class, and their sole assignment was to make as many mugs as they could in one hour. It just is make as many as you can, as fast as you can, crank them out, and the goal is to make 40 mugs in one hour. The second class, they assigned, okay, our, your goal is to make one perfect mug in one hour. One perfect mug. So they, they turn them both loose, and here goes the hour, and they discovered that the folks whose assignment was to make 40 mugs as fast as they possibly could, they discovered that each one of those mugs got progressively better. And then they took a look at the, at the class that was only supposed to do one perfect mug. That's all they had to do was one in one hour, and their attempts at that perfect mug got progressively worse. Now, why is that? And this is worth coming for, because listen to me closely. That second class where they were looking for the perfect mug, they got paralyzed by the fear of failure. That's exactly what happened. They wanted to do it perfectly, and so they were afraid of doing it at all, and they got progressively worse. The folks that understood that failure is a part of my success got progressively better. Now, I'm not telling you to do things in a hasty way. The Bible is very clear about that in Proverbs 19 and verse 2. And I'd rather you go too slow than too fast because it's always easier to play catch-up than it is to play clean-up. But at some point in your life, you've got to get over the fear of failure and what everybody thinks about you. You're never going to find peace in another man's head. Yeah, I'm telling you that right now. And listen, let me be honest with you. People are not thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you. They don't really care. What are they thinking about, Pastor? They're thinking about themselves, just like you're thinking about. That's what most people think about all the time. And I found one of the most freeing things in the world is to get yourself off your mind because God has you on his mind continually. So I don't want you to think that failure is irreversible. It is not. When you fall, when you fail, I will arise. 2020, don't you gloat over me. I know I might be down, but I will arise. Helping anybody. If not, it's helping me. I'm getting myself fired up. I'm, about, I'm this close to giving myself an offering. I'm this close to having an altar call and responding myself. Some of y'all are so holy, you never smiled in your life. Some of y'all lived in a jar of pickle juice all your life. I can, I can tell. I really can't tell. So come on, ladies and gentlemen. People think failure is irre irreversible, but it's not. A and you need to know that. And the same thing when it comes to the local church. A lot of times people get involved in things, and they're not good at things at first, and so they feel like they failed. And they feel like they can't hear from God. Don't allow that to discourage you. 
I, I remember when I was first growing up in the local church, uh, just a, a young man uh, just get, gave my life to the Lord. I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. I, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. And man, I just got turned on for God. I got, became a part of a local church. And that's why, that's why here, if you come here, you're not going to be judged. You're going to be helped. I'm not going to judge you. Why would I judge you? I, I, I was a mess, and I know what Jesus has done for me. We're going to help you. Freedom is a beautiful thing. So I remember getting involved at a local church in my first job, and I don't mean for pay. I mean for volunteer. I was mowing the lawn. I did such a great job at mowing the lawn, I graduated to taking out the garbage. That's true. Everybody, everybody wants this. Everybody wants the big giant church, the largest church in Wilson County, and debt-free, and all. Everybody wants all of that. But no one wants to mow the lawn or take out the garbage. That's where it starts. Never desire another man's harvest until you understand the seeds that he has sown. Everybody sees this. Nobody sees that. So I just, that's what I did. I just started getting involved and just helping where I could. And I began to do certain things I was good at. And I began to do certain things that I was not good at. And I didn't look at the things that I was not good at as failure. I looked at them as part of the process. I looked at them as I'm getting just a little bit closer to finding success because I realize that I'm not good at that. You, you understand, you might not be good at working with our children. If you hate children, we don't want you working with our children. We like our children. You, you understand. And there's some people that are they're just not good at that. That's okay. Uh, I, I remember they had me be a part of There was a Boy Scout troop at our thing. They had me. And I, you know, I wasn't a Boy Scout. I grew up in the city, right? And so uh, I, I was really good at doing the games, you know, the football and all of that junk. But then when it come to overnight in the woods and, 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 and you, know, you know, all of that, I didn't know all of that. I grew up in the city. You understand what I'm talking about? Uh, my idea of roughing it is going to a hotel with a hair dryer that only has two speeds instead of three. <laughs> I, need a, I, need to, I need to go to a hotel at night. Now, you put me on the L train in Chicago with the Crips and the Bloods, and by the time we get to downtown Chicago, I'll have them all saved. I feel comfortable in that environment. I don't feel uncomfortable in the, in the woods, particularly where there's banjo music. I don't know what's going to happen there. So I, I discovered when it came to Boy Scouts, I was good at the games, but I was not good at tying triple knots. And, you know, and, 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 you know my idea of, of sleeping, of being intense was being intense, not actually intense. <laughs> right? I just found out I was not good at that. So guess what? I didn't consider myself a failure. I just considered this is not something I'm supposed to do. I'm just now a little closer to my success. See how we're redefining it? Is this helping you? So let me help you fail forward if I can. Let me give you some thoughts, some you've heard before, most of which you have. And we're going to help you fail forward in life. This is very powerful. Number one, failing is an act. Failure is an attitude. Just because you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. Second thing that you need to know is failing doesn't make you a failure. Quitting makes you a failure. That's the thing I discovered a long time ago. I just don't have quitting sense. I'm not the perfect pastor, but I don't have quitting sense. I just don't. I just think quitting never occurred to me. Like throughout all of this tough time, man, we went through the tornado and then the COVID, and, and then we went through uh, the, the racial and the division and the unrest and the riots and all of that. And then we went through persecution, my wife and I, like we've never had in 36 years of ministry, just a whole bunch of goofy people making up stuff or doing half-truths. It's crazy stuff. Never once occurred to me to quit. 
Never, never, that never, never occurred to me. Like, what? No. no. Are you kidding? That's just, just. I mean, this is just it makes me fired up. It's like, really, you're going to keep trying to push me up against the wall? That's awesome because, no, I will arise. And I'm not talking about physically, but I'm just talking about, I just have, in, in, in my heart of hearts, I just have a I refuse to quit standpoint. Just, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not the perfect pastor. I got some work to go just like you do, but man, I just won't quit. You all quit, amen to me. Look at, look at number three, it's true. Failing is what you did and not who you are. Now listen, listen, that's huge. I don't want that failure to define you. Never let what someone else says about you define you. Let what Jesus Christ has done for you define you. You cannot be discouraged in life until you allow what other people say about you to have more value than what God says about you. And I determined a long time ago, I'm going to value what God says about me. And so is Melissa. And, and God says a lot of wonderful things about Melissa. And so do we. Come on, can we encourage Melissa? Remember this life point because it's true. Check it out. It's easier to go from failure to success than excuse to success. I mean, no excusers are losers. And at some point in my life and in your life, I can't, if, if I fail, I can just get up, I can arise. But if I keep making excuses, it's going to hinder my success. Next thing that you need to understand, check it out, is when you fail, you've got to keep a sense of humor. I, I can tell you, and during the videos, you lost yours. It's imperative to keep a sense of humor. Come on, church people, listen to me. I don't mean an inappropriate sense of humor or, or anything. I, I mean, but you've got to keep a sense of humor. And I watch a lot of church people, it's like they grew up in pickle juice, like I mentioned before. You've got to learn how to smile and laugh. If you're saved, ladies and gentlemen, let your heart notify your face. The Bible says, Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart does good like a medicine. Proverbs 15, 15, the Bible says, a person with a merry heart has a continual feast. So I just learned a long time ago I'm going to keep a sense of humor. And you've got to be secure to keep a sense of humor. Remember this life point, it really is true, and I love it. It's easy to laugh when everything's going right. It's important to laugh when everything is going wrong. That's worth coming for right there. It's important to laugh when everything is going wrong. Laughter is a perspective giver. It just, give you, it just gives you perspective. I, I, lo I love God. How many love God? I love God. If you look at Psalm chapter 2, the Bible says all of the armies of the earth of the heathen are arrayed against his people. It's talking about in the old covenant, the Jews, and the new covenant, the church. And they're arrayed against his people. And the Bible says that God sits in the heavens and laughs. That's all you got? <laughs> and it looks like, look, you could see, and listen to me. Folks, I want you to know, as we approach more and more the last days, I promise you this, the church will be the next item of persecution. You watch. It's going to be ratcheted up on a higher level. And I want you to know that right in the midst of all that, God sits in the heavens and laughs 
because he knows the end from the beginning and I've looked at the back of the book and you win. You win. If you're fallen, I will arise. Boy, that's I'm getting myself fired up. In that part, you gotta you gotta learn. You have to be secure. And you have to be secure to laugh. When I was a sinner, when I didn't know the Lord, I was the most insecure person. And if anybody ever made fun of me, I would just it would make me so angry. I didn't know how to laugh at myself. You've gotta you've gotta learn. I tell all my stories I told you about Ratatouille just a moment ago. Most pastors don't tell you any of that stuff because they're so insecure. They want you to think they they walk on water and they float and all that. I tell you all my stuff. And that's why you treat me the way you do. <laughs> I'm very open, very transparent. I tell you all my stuff. I tell you about Ratatouille. I tell you about my stuff. Yeah. I, through all these years of ministry, I tell you all my stuff. I remember we started this church about 17 years ago. And, and I remember the very first wedding that I did, right? And, you know, now I don't do a lot of weddings because we have staff. And we're such a huge church, I just can't do that and, and all of my responsibilities at the same time. And so we have to delegate it to the staff. But... Trust me, you don't want me to do the wedding anyway. I'll just mess it up. And here was what I did. I mean, this is the very first wedding that I performed as the pastor of this church. And, of course, you want to make a good impression because it's your first wedding. And, you know, you got the people. And the church is really small at the time. And, you know, half the church is there. And so you want to, you know, do really well. And, and so I got up, man, all ready to do my first wedding. And, and, I, and, I, and I said, I, right in the middle of it, I said, do you take her in Hoey Wedwalk? <laughs> Hoey Wedwalk. And I wasn't even trying to be funny. I wasn't. People thought I was quoting from Princess Bride. Remember that movie? Oh, marriage. Remember that? And I wasn't. I just messed it up. I just said, holy wedlock. Not a good start to my first wedding as the pastor of this church. But I had to learn how to be secure and laugh at myself. Because right now you're laughing at me. And I used to be so insecure as an unbeliever. I, I remember that. I remember when I was 18 years old, a senior in high school. I, I remember when I was in class and one of the big football players said something about me and my socks and made the whole class laugh. And they laughed at me and I was steaming. I was so insecure. I couldn't just laugh at myself. I was steaming with anger. And so I remember after school, I waited for him. And I waited at 3.15 and I beat the living snot out of that football player. I did. And it was not pretty. And it was all because I was insecure, all because I couldn't laugh at myself over something that stupid. And as a believer, God had to totally reform me. I understand I had to immerse myself in the love of God. First John 4, 18, the Bible says, God's love for me casts out all fear. All insecurity has its root in fear. Any insecurities that you have, understand, they come from a fear root. And the way to eradicate the insecurity is by immersing yourself in how much God loves you. The more you know how much he loves you, the more it will cast out, bolow, the Greek word, flush out, throw out all fear, all fear, all insecurity. When you know you're loved by God and accepted by the best, then who cares about the rest? You can have a sense of humor. You can laugh at yourself. You don't need to be so insecure. I remember back at the old place, 
our, our old building before we had this facility. Uh, my, my pastor's office was right across the, from one of the children's classrooms. And so every Sunday I would go in and, and, and we'd have the service and, and, one, and, and the children's classroom was right across from me and, and there was always a, a particular teacher there, there regularly, Kyle Long's in our praise team. His wife was always there and she was always greeting the children. So when I came into my office, she was out in the hall greeting the kids, and I would always greet her, and she would greet me. Her name's Kelly. She still goes here, at, at, which is amazing after you hear the story. <laughs> and so I, 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 I tell Kelly, I say, Kelly, because I, I try to be very friendly and a non-judgmental pastor. And you, you know how people think about pastors, that they're always crit criticizing you, and they're always trying to catch you in some kind of a sin. Not this pastor. I just want to help you. Right. And so I try to go out of my way. And so she, I'd, I'd say to Kelly, I'd see her, and she had this thing. I said, I like your, I like your nose ring. Because people, you know, get judgmental about it. I've met a friend here for the very first time. She had a little uh, a ring right there. And I said, I like that. That's, that's real pretty. And, and I said, did it hurt when you put it in? She goes, God, it did. She's braver than I am. And so I would tell Kelly, I'd say, I like your nose ring. And I, every Sunday for about three in a row, she'd say, thanks, Pastor. And then on the fourth Sunday, I said the same thing. Hey, Kelly, just want you to know, I like your nose ring, just trying to be nice. And she couldn't take it anymore. She said, Pastor, i got to tell you, it's a mole. <laughs> and for four weeks in a row, I had come complimenting her nose ring, and it was a mole the whole time. It's still a mole. She still has it today. The first three, she was very kind to the pastor, like, oh, stupid pastor, I'm just going to amuse him. You know, like, okay, thanks, pastor. Go on, idiot. But number four, she couldn't take it. And she's like, hey, idiot, it's a mole. <laughs> and at that point, all you can do is just hand her your wallet and just call it a day. Just say, I'm, I'm sorry. There's nothing in here anyway, so thank you. <laughs> True story, and I'm not afraid to just simply laugh at myself. You've got to be secure. Failing is part of our progress. It's part of our success. Are we learning anything today? Come on. Number five, you need to know as you fail forward. When you fail, ask why not who. We're always so quick to blame, and it was this guy's fault and that guy's fault and the government or my dad. Ask why. Don't ask who. Here's the life point. You know it's true. When we blame others for our failure, we will never overcome them. And I watch, we now live in a country of victims where everybody has to blame somebody else at some point. And if you're going to perpetuate your victimhood, then keep doing that. But at some point, you decide, you know what, I'm not. You, man, you may have been legitimately victimized. That may be totally legit. But at some point in your life, you've got to stop that victimization by making a choice to not be a victim, but to be a victor. And it starts in here. It starts in understanding. Romans 8.37, you're more than a conqueror through God that loved you. That Greek word conqueror is hooper nakao. Nakao means victor. Hooper means above. You are above a victor. That's how God sees you. You're not a victim. You're a victor. And at some point, I've got to stop blaming others, and I've got to say, you know what? God has made me free. I don't have to live under that the rest of my life. The next thing that you need to know is champions are not people that don't fail. Champions are people that don't quit. I say it all the time. They don't quit. Look at the life point. You know what? Check it out. Victory is simply getting up one more time than you've fallen. If you have fallen, say it with me. I will arise. Just get up. Just get 
up. The righteous man falls, but gets up seven times. Get up. Don't be like that little old lady on the commercial. I fall and I can't get up. Get up. And then lastly, this is my favorite one. I love number seven. This is worth coming for. To avoid all failure, simply do nothing. You never want to fail. Please just do nothing. Let me give you some stats that will really shake you up, and I think you'll understand this in a very clear way. And I'm going to give you the solution to those stats. I love this. 20% of accidents occur in the car. Solution, don't drive. Do you see my point? If you, if you want to fail at nothing, just uh, do nothing. Look, look at stat number two. 17% of accidents occur in the house. Solution, live in the woods. Not with me, because I'm not living in the woods, dude. I, you live by yourself in the woods. Number three, check it out. 16% of accidents occur in the air or sea. Solution, don't fly or boat. Just don't do it. You see what I'm getting at here. Look, look, at, our, look at our fourth stat. 15% of accidents occur walking down the street. Solution, just run. Don't just walk down the street. Run, baby, run. Oh, come on, that's funnier than you're laughing. You know it is. You know that's funny. And then lastly, I, I love this. 28 people die annually by hitting their head on the bed. Solution? Don't sleep. See what I'm talking about? In 2020, I mean, you might as well just bubble wrap and put a bunch of uh, Germex on you and, 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 and stay in your little bunker. Now, 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 look at me, church. Look at me now. Listen to me. And online, I want you to listen to me. And again, we, 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 I understand, and we're going to use wisdom, and we're going to use protocol. But at some point, you've got to make choice in 2020 that you're going to get busy living or you're already dying. Life is not about bubble wrapping and germexing and living in a bunker. There are worse things in death. And there are way worse things than a virus. Watch people, they're just terrified, and they're living under this. I, I, listen, I've met so many people, and I'm talking about believers, that have really seriously dealing with suicide. This is 36 years of ministry. I've never seen it. It's almost epidemic. Don't you dare take your life. You give it to God. He's got something marvelous that he wants to do with it. Marvelous. It's important. Do you understand? 25% of all of our 18, this, this breaks my heart, 25% of all of our 18 to 25-year-olds during this pandemic have seriously considered suicide. A quarter of them, 18 to 25, that breaks my heart. And as long as I have a voice, and as long as I have breath, and as long as I have energy, I am going to do everything that I can to change that statistic. Oh. I'm going to keep breathing hope. I'm going to give mouth-to-mouth, spirit-to-spirit resuscitation of hope that if you've fallen, I will arise. So can you see it now? Failure is not a part of your failure. Failure is actually a part of your success. We just need to redefine it. And if you've fallen, I 
will arise.